0: Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Monday in New Hampshire. Day before the primaries, I think. Tomorrow people are voting, right? It's Tuesday. I haven't been following that stuff too much. I've been following too much sports. The sports machine with slim. Monday morning, 10 a.m. here on WKXL Radio. So many things to get to. We got NFL action. Just dominating the weekend in case you missed it, too. Saturday night, there was big MMA fights. We talked about that uh, UFC stuff last week. Our picks were horrible, as usual. We got the Celtics uh, with a huge game Friday. That was a loss that I need to talk about. Caitlin Clark, there's an update on Caitlin Clark. But let's start the show off uh, with a little bit of information from from John Harbaugh, coach of the Ravens, post-game, post-victory here the other day. Go ahead, Andrew, please was sent to me before the game and it just is meaningful to me so I'm going to share it with you uh, because I think it's uh, uh, the right thing to do and it's a, it's a verse uh, greatness power glory victory and honor belong to you because everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you the kingdom belongs to you Lord you are the head and the ruler over everything so there's an amazing spirit on this team and I uh, just want to kind of give honor and glory where it's due there uh, we go that, Thank you, Andrew. We just want to get started by giving glory, glory and honor where it's due. Isn't it interesting how so many of these athletes come out with their post-game press conference and, and thank, thank God, or thank Jesus Christ, or... I mean, there's a religious piece, and it never really gets talked about in the media, so I just wanted to talk about it for, for one second to start the show today. And I will tell you, John Harbaugh going to the podium post-game and starting things. Like, his celebration in his mind is going crazy. His team, I mean, they're moving to the AFC championship game coming up here this weekend. They'll be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. For those of you that don't already know, Patrick Mahomes and uh, his partner, Ma Otto, is going to be going and joining them in in the championship game for the AFC. But John Harbaugh, in the middle of celebrating, being excited, he stops. First thing that comes to his mind is to thank whatever it is that created all of us, in his mind. I mean, everybody's got their own views on this stuff, right? And for, for years and years and years and years and years, it's been a source of arguing, war, destruction. It's going on nowadays in civilization. It's, we just can't get away from it. But I like for people to have good things to happen to them. And I think giving thanks every single day is really a way for more good stuff to come your way in life. So good job, John Harbaugh. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm switching my pick. Super Bowl champion this year is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. I've been on the air now for, this is I think the seventh week. Every week I've been saying the San Francisco 49ers are going all the way. Because they have so much talent. But you know something? Sometimes with my picks, I am just like refusing to accept the obvious. And in this situation, the obvious is, like Debo Samuel, you're a great player, great talent. You get hurt every time the money's on the line, dude. Every single time your team has a chance to, like, really do something, and by do something, I mean win it all because in sports, the only thing that matters is winning it all. When you dedicate your entire life, all the work, effort, practice time, weightlifting time that these dudes are putting in, starting from when they're 10 years old to 15 years old, all the way up, to playing in the professional leagues, whether it's football, basketball, whatever, all the investment they make. The only thing that matters is winning a championship. Yes, these dudes all get paid money and okay, they can live their lifestyles, and it's great. That's great. But if you are a true competitor, you just want to reach the mountaintop. And I've always thought Debo Samuel is a true competitor. But, dude, if every single time your team has a chance to reach that mountaintop, You get injured, you're a problem. And it looks like he's a 50-50 call to go for this week. So, hey, maybe San Francisco is going to be able to take out Detroit. We're going to run through all these games. Who knows what's going to happen. But Baltimore, John Harbaugh, keep starting your press conferences with giving thanks to our maker, whoever it is out there. There we go. So the rundown real quick for people. The Ravens win their game Saturday. That's how things get started in the NFL this weekend. The Ravens win 34-10. to It was closer than that, I guess. C.J. Stroud, man, I got a lot of respect for that dude in his first year. He is going to be something. And even my prediction can't drag this cat down. He is going to have a, a great NFL career. And if I bought uh, football cards, I'd be trying to get as many C.J. Stroud cards as I possibly could. San Francisco in Game 2 on Saturday. That was Saturday night. Me and my brother Dave were out at the... Uh, Local wagering institution place because we wanted to watch the MMA action Saturday night and it was free. You could watch all the games for free. I'm going to talk about the MMA stuff here in the upcoming second um, segment here of today's show. I was unimpressed. I'll just preview that discussion. Unimpressed is uh, one word I would use. San Francisco I was very unimpressed with them, unfortunately. When money, when money time came, they won. But Brock Purdy... He's not a Super Bowl champion-looking quarterback, talent-wise. He's just not. He's not, as I watch more and more. And I know he can make excuses. The rain was out there, and if you watch the game, it was obviously impacting him. I think he has small hands. Men with small hands have a hard time gripping the football and throwing it in, the, in tough weather. So he started out the game with a glove on, made a couple of atrocious passes, Then says, "All right, I gotta get rid of the glove, I gotta go bear. Guess what? You still made atrocious passes. I don't know that you made a good one all game. I don't know that he made a money solid pass the entire game. Even catches that were made for completions, a number of them, I was like, oh, that was horrible. That was behind the receiver. That was low. Could have gone for more if he had led the person. Brock Purdy, I guess maybe the next game won't be played in the rain and maybe all of a sudden you're gonna be incredible, but Dude, you're a product of the offense. People that were betting this guy and picking this guy for MVP, he was the leader in the clubhouse for MVP like four weeks ago. You people seriously need to go get your heads examined. Like, you really, if you think you know what you're talking about, trust me, you know less than what I know. You know less than me. And if we look at my picks over the past few weeks, I don't know a heck of a lot. I just have a microphone here. And I can sound convincing and confident going into things. If we replayed the tape from Friday's show, again, a complete embarrassment for me. Tampa Bay is going to beat Detroit. I did mention that Devonta Smith, he, he had cooked um, Tampa Bay's defense to the tune of, I think, 130 yards in that game when Tampa Bay beat Philly the other weekend. And Detroit's receivers are fast like Devonta Smith, so... That showed yesterday. Tampa Bay, just defensively, they didn't have the horses to to keep up with the speed of Detroit. Tampa Bay was tough, strong. They battled. And I love me some Todd Bowles. The more I I watch this guy, the way he handles himself. I've always kind of liked him, but now I really, really like him. I hope Baker Mayfield stays right there in Tampa Bay and they can build something. I like me some uh, Baker Mayfield, too. The guy I mentioned to you people before, my cousin Bob from Quincy had asked me one day, going back probably five weeks on the show, hey, for draft picks and stuff, I know you want the Patriots to take Jaden Daniels, but I'm just curious, through the years, what's the be- best like, successful draft pick prediction you had made, and what's the worst? And I said for the worst, I was like, I really liked Baker Mayfield coming out of college to be the number one pick. I thought he was going to be awesome. Well, if you rewind five to six weeks back, Tampa Bay wasn't playing that great. And I was like, you know, he's just a middling QB. He's not really doing anything great. And in his previous years, he kind of stunk. He's been in the league now like six years. Well, then all of a sudden, fast forward here to now, Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield, he looks looks pretty darn good. I'd say he's a top NFL quarterback, like top five, top six. So my prediction going back, I've, I've totally redeemed myself back in that draft. Baker Mayfield should have been the number one pick. He just, I guess, had bad coaching? Or, I mean, what's different? I'm not sure, but Tampa Bay loses yesterday in a very sad moment for me. I wanted Baker Mayfield and Tampa I just wanted to be right. I wanted Tampa Bay to win against Detroit, and uh, I thought they would have given San Fran a heck of a game. Last night, Buffalo and Kansas City. I've said it for years, and, and I'm trying not to be like mean out here. But Buffalo is the armpit of America. They just are. Buffalo never wins anything. I've been there. It's dirty. It's just like, you know, me and my buddies went there to watch a Patriots game. My buddy took a snowball right to the face. There were four of us were outside pre, pre-game like tailgating out of nowhere. We have no idea where it came from. Some um, snowball comes, nails my buddy right in the face, and he's a big dude. He's like 6'6", 300 pounds. All four of us at that time were pretty big dudes that were there. Well, we look over the direction the snowball comes. Nobody looks at us. You know, it was a big group of people. Everybody puts their head down. Nobody does nothing. And I'm just like, you know, that's Buffalo. End of the game. They lose yesterday. They're throwing snowballs at the Kansas City place. That's Buffalo. It's the armpit of America. And I don't want to be mean, but I almost want to call a Buffalo Sports Talk radio show today and uh, and ask them why they're always atrocious and why their fans throw objects on the field when they lose because... This should be used to losing by now. If you're listening to this show, hopefully you're used to winning. The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio. We're just getting started. It's 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Let's talk some MMA when we get back. Ineptitude Ineptitude is the word of the day Here on the Sports Machine with Slim A Monday edition And the reason why ineptitude is the word of the day I, I mean, on Friday Last week, and Thursday last week We talked about some MMA stuff We talked about UFC Sean Strickland's big fight, and he's making some noise. He's a controversial character, I'll tell you that. I uh, I like the fact that he's not afraid to speak his mind. That's whether you like him or not, whatever. He's choosing to say what's on his mind, and it's a you know bunch of topics that I think a lot of people that might hold the same mindset are very afraid to speak their mind. So Sean Strickland, hey, is what he is. There you go. Love him or hate him, but. For our betting purposes here on the show, and I'm not encouraging people to be betting. Certainly, don't be betting what I'm telling you to bet because if you do, I mean, you might break five. You might break even. <laughs> you might bet five hundred, <laughs> win one, lose one. But that's probably the best you can be open for, to be honest. I, I in F to two describes my picks, but more importantly, the picks of my expert callers who sound great. Sound knowledgeable when they call into the show. McBFQ, my brother Dave, the pistol is who I need to address because last week on Thursday, the pistol I welcomed onto the airwaves and I love to hear him call. Great phone presence. I like what he has to say. He does some homework. He makes nice entrances with the phone. But he gave us a parlay that he said was a guarantee. This is a guaranteed parlay for UFC. He tells everybody on Thursday. So, hey, I like a guarantee. When I hear somebody tells me guarantee, okay, hey, I'm going to listen. So I listen and I write him down. He's got this Canadian guy. Mallet is the last name. He picks Bueno Silva to win the female championship fight that night, and he picks this Duplessis guy. Duplessis, I still don't know how to pronounce the name, to be quite honest with you. But he picks this guy to beat Strickland. So this is his parlay. Well, the first fight we watch out of these three, this Malat guy fights a dude by the name of Magny. It's a three-round fight. This Malat guy, the Canadian in the the UFC, was in Toronto this past uh, Saturday, so he had the Canadian home fans there. He's a minus 355 favorite. Malat. He's, He's supposed to be a real bad dude for his size, and uh, he's supposed to beat this other cat. Well, he d- dominates the fight for two full rounds, and he's dominating the fight literally three minutes into the third round and final round, too, in their five-minute rounds. So the first three minutes of the last round, this guy has dominated the fight for 13 minutes. There's about two minutes left in the fight, and me and my brother Dave are there, and we, we say something to each other just along the lines of, wow, I, I mean, this, is, this isn't this is even fun at all. Like This guy's just getting crushed well- At some point, somehow, this Magni guy turns the tables through a takedown. He hits him with a blow. He's on top. He starts wailing on this Malat guy who's the minus 355 favorite. And in like a minute, he beats the crap out of him so bad, the refs have to call the fight. And my uh, guarantee... From my expert UFC call with a pistol is down the drain immediately as Malad as a minus 355 favorite takes the takes the hook and goes down. Then we move on to the next fight. Well, hey, I'm sure, like, hey, he, he, the pistol's sure to be right with the next one. <laughs> so it's it's the female championship, I guess for 135 pounds, I think is what they weigh. Um Buenos Silva's taking on uh Raquel Pennington. And This one's going to go five rounds because it's a championship fight, and I didn't know that because I'm not into this stuff. Well, um, I'm rooting for for Bueno Silva because in the lead-up, I just liked her. She looked tough and pre-fight. She's all excited. She's screaming, and I was like, yeah, go get her. Well, she goes out there, and she does well for the first round or two, but then... Pennington just starts to turn the tables. Bueno Silva runs totally out of gas. The last like, f- the fourth and fifth round, she's on her back for like 30 to 60 seconds of each, each round because she is like so gassed and so tired and just doesn't want to fight anymore because she knows she's, she's going down if she gets up. So the fight ends up uh, going the distance. She, Bueno Silva loses as a minus 170 favorite. Nice call pistol. Then we fast forward to the end of the night. Sean Strickland, which is really the only reason I had gone to watch that night. I just wanted to see if he backed up all his talk. He fights the DuPlessis guy. It's a 3-2 to split decision. DuPlessis wins the belt on, uh, um, uh, 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 like I said, split decision. It was three rounds to two. All three judges scored at three rounds to two. I don't really see how the championship belt, because Strickland was the champion at the time, I don't see how the championship belt can switch hands. On a uh, during a fight that I watched, I was like, it's kind of 50/50. And if you looked at the two dudes at the end of the fight, you would definitely say the guy that supposedly won looked a lot worse. His face was in a, you know terrible condition. If you check his picture out afterwards, he took a lot of blows. I thought like to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And maybe that's just not the way it is in UFC. But that stinks, dude. And I don't want to be like seen as a, oh you know you're this old person who uh, you know likes to just stay stuck in the past like no dude if you're the champ you got to get taken out to lose the belt you don't lose the belt when somebody else comes in like maybe takes you down a time or two more because hey he's a better wrestler but if they had kept on fighting there's no reason to think strickland wasn't going to take him out afterwards i was not scared that strickland was running out of gas i will say though to you know put Strickling down a couple notches. You said going into the fight, this, this was going to be a war. You two were going to go at each other like absolute crazy. I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. So, really, it reminded me of Peter McNeely, who I've interviewed before on my podcast years ago. Peter McNeely, when he fought Mike Tyson, so I'm pretty sure it was Tyson's first fight when he, he got out of jail. Set him up against Peter McNeely, who was, you know, like a Rocky Balboa, almost a <laughs> clone way back in the day. And people were like, yeah, we're going to root for Rocky. Well, you know, uh, the pre fight lead up stuff with, with him was saying, when I wrapped Mike Tyson in, my, in a cocoon of horror. When I wrapped Mike Tyson in a cocoon of horror, it was so great. Peter McNeely, he was talking all trash, all build up, And the media played right along with it. So I was like, yeah, come on, Pete. Mike Tyson beat that guy in like a round and change. He just, he just dueled on him and beat the graph out of the guy. But it was awesome. Because Peter McNeely, we all remember, we all got the pay-per-view. I, I, I ordered pay-per-view. Back then it was probably only like 40 bucks or something. But I was like, I want to see this guy fight Mike Tyson. And the pay-per-view was the way to do it. So they sold tons of it. The fight was over in less than two rounds. The dude that talked all the trash got his butt kicked. Well, Strickland, I, I, I kind of loop you into that class, man. I wouldn't say it to your face. Or if I did, I'd run. <laughs> and I'd need a head start beforehand because I'm sure you're faster than me, too. I'm still somewhat quick, but uh, I'm sure he'd be tracking me down. Especially if he was angry and had adrenaline going through. So I would run. But I will tell you. Um, you reminded me a little bit of Peter McNeely. Sean Strickland but hey there's some goodness in that so there we go that was what Saturday night involved for me with the uh, UFC I won't be going to stay up till two in the morning anymore to watch UFC fights I'll just say that fool me once shame on me fool me twice shame on you what is it? <laughs> reverse those around but I just can't go I can't get into UFC I can't get into it when guys are going to talk about how they're going to go at the other, and we're going to do this, and we're going to... And then it's like, you just protected yourself the whole fight. Like, you, you didn't really extend yourself at any point. Strickland never put him into himself into a spot where he could, like, take serious damage because he wanted to inflict serious damage. It was never like, okay, it's on, we're totally gassing out. Let's let's just go after it, and one of us is going to get knocked out. That that never happened, which I can totally understand, I mean, as a regular fight, but you don't talk about that pre-fight. Like, that's what you said pre-fight was going to happen. You went five rounds. It never happened at any point. So why am I going to believe any UFC fighter moving forward at all when they say what's going to happen in the ring? You can't. So I I just can't, and my brother David said it to me. He's like, yeah, I can't really get into this stuff that much because these guys are talking and it's just talk in the end. So that kind of stinks, but it was still a good fight. I will say it was a good fight. If they hadn't talked like that, I I would be less critical. I would be critical about San Francisco, though, as I watched that fight Saturday night. I mean, it was not a fight, actually. They did battle back, but the Debo Samuel going down crushed me. Brock Purdy looking horrible. I don't know how they're going to beat Baltimore if they play Baltimore, and I do think they're going to play Baltimore looking ahead. My picks are meaningless. I'll tell you right out the gate, I'm looking at Baltimore to beat Kansas City. I know this week people are going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes, great win yesterday, Patrick Mahomes, you are a true winner, dude, it's Tom Brady and then it's you, I'm going to say what, if Kansas City ends up winning the Super Bowl this year, it's uh, you know, it's on, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, it's it's going to be a question mark as to who is better, to be determined, the sports machine with Slim, we made it halfway through on WKXL Radio, I got Bruin stuff, I got Celtics stuff. 14:50 a.m. 103.9 fm in Concord, 101.9 fm in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Let's talk some Boston sports when we get back. Boston Celtics a must-win game Friday night. I I put it all out there Friday, baby. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown took the choke yet again in a big game. Let's talk about the Celtics. I will say I got a big, big, big take I want to say from that Kansas City-Buffalo game. You're not going to hear it anywhere else, I'll tell you right now. I I doubt it. If you listen to ESPN all day long, you listen to any other sports talk, radio shows, any other people. You're not going to hear anybody with this take. I'm going to give it to to start the next segment. For now, we got to just roll right through. The Bruins and the Celtics. I told you all day Friday on the show, it was a must-win game Friday night because Denver had lost to the 76ers in their previous game, and that's not just a different, that's just a, not a regular game. When Jokic loses to Embiid, his, like, I mean, natural rival, pretty much, is in the other conference, both absolute monsters. They've won the MVP, each of them over the last two seasons. That's the dude you want to get geared up to go against. And Embiid scored 10 points in a row to power to 76ers past Denver last week in their game before Denver goes and plays the Celts next. So they go on the road, they're at the Celtics Friday night, they're jacked up. They want to win. They want to beat the Celtics who are 20-0 and at home up to that point and have the NBA's best record. So the Celtics know this is the case going into the game. And the Celts want to win. So they come out and everybody's playing. There's no, you know, day off here, we're gonna rest, load management type stuff. Everybody's playing for both teams. Celtics come out and they're winning for most of the game. In fact, they open the lead up to like a 9 point margin at one point, but they just can't put Denver away. You got Derek White playing just out of his mind on defense, and it's not out of his mind like like that's his optimal, and and you know he only reaches that every now and then. It, this guy on defense, it is who he is, as Belichick would say. This guy does it every time. His his quick hands poking the ball away, his blocks swatting guys who are six inches taller than him just because his timing and his hand-eye coordination is so great. Derek White. And he played a huge game, too. He had big points Friday night. Who didn't? Jason Tatum, unfortunately. I mean, he had a decent night when he went to the hoop. I said this all last week or two. Jason Tatum, when he goes to the hoop, if you watch Friday night, he threw down like two or three dunks. He was awesome. When Missoula puts him out with that lineup where Tatum has to create the action, you can see mentally he's like, all right, I'm going to turn down the three. I'm going to the hoop. When he does it, such good things are happening. And even if it's just a two instead of nailing a three, right, he goes in there, he throws down a nice dunk, the crowd gets fired up, everybody's excited, we got adrenaline, we get back on defense, we're playing harder. That's the type of stuff that happens when you go to the hoop. There's lots of other benefits. But, the Jason Tatum, who likes to settle for step-back threes, makes an appearance again. To end the first half, Tatum takes a step-back three. And misses, as he always does. I swear to God, this guy's making like 10% on his step-back threes at end of quarters. When we do isolation ball for Jason Tatum, it has not been working. I'm going to really start to, to track this thing because it's embarrassing. I can't remember the time the guy, a guy, this guy has made a step-back three to end a quarter. And I can remember six, seven, eight, nine of them now where he's missed. He is not making that shot. You need to stop Taking the step-back three at the end of quarters. It's a, it's just like such a mental like opt-out, such weakness from this guy, and it's a shame because when he gets geared up to go to the hole, good things are happening. So he misses the step-back three at the end of the first half. Fast forward towards the end of the game a little bit more. Derek White sinks a three. He's not afraid. He got 24 points at this time. It's 95-91. Celts go up 98-95. Coming out of a timeout with four minutes and 30 seconds left, the Celts have 98 points. Wow. I'm just rereading these notes for the first time. Celts were up 98 95 with four minutes and 30 seconds left. You know why that's so interesting? The final score was 102 to 100. The Celtics only scored two minutes in the last four and a half, two points in the last four and a half minutes. Am I reading my notes right? Well, we're coming out of the timeout with four and a half minutes left. That's a head scratcher. I kind of, I, I got to process this while I'm on the air now. Two points in the last four and a half minutes? And I blame the Celtics fans. Lazy. Lazy cheers. Celtics are up 98-95 coming out of that timeout. 4.30 left. And the, the Celt- Let's go, Celtics cheer starts. I see everybody sitting in their chair. Nobody's really clapping. Half-hearted cheering. And I get a text from one of my friends. He says, the Celtics can't beat Denver in a seven-game series. This is so weak. And he starts with his negativity. This is with four minutes, 30 seconds left. So the Celtics are even up. And he's just talking bad. And he's a real Celtics follower. I'm not even going to say he's a Celtics fan because he's always negative about them. But he spends a lot of time each season watching Celtics games and complaining. This is why we can't have nice things, Boston fans. Because you got fans that just want to complain. you got fans like in Buffalo that want to throw snowballs on the field. And I would throw in some more insults, but I'm trying to reserve myself. Celtics fans, they're not winners, the ones that are going to the games. They need a leader. They need somebody to teach them how to cheer. They need to listen to the sports machine with Slim. That's what needs to happen. We need to go to, like, education, uh, sports cheering 101, dude. I can do a segment in five minutes a day on how to cheer. During games because our fans have no clue. Well, the very end of the game, Jason Tatum catches the ball. I think it was on the on a elbow free throw line extended. He gets the ball, he misses. We lose 102 to 100. That play coming out of a timeout unacceptable. Joe Missoula, I, I I give you praise when you deserve it, but listen, dude, you need to do something different. And that play call at the end of the game, like, dude, that's, uh, that's second grade coaching stuff. And if you were coaching against me and my second grade team, you'd be losing. So it's like subpar second grade coaching. Meanwhile, I look over Friday night. That was the Friday night with the Celtics Denver. I look over and, oh, what, what notes do I write down? I'm going to bed. I look, oh, Philadelphia beat Orlando 124-109. to 109. Embiid did not play in the fourth, though. So Philly won by 15. Embiid didn't even play in the fourth. He had 36 points. The 76ers won for the ninth straight time on the road with Embiid in the lineup. They are 2-6 and six away from home without him in the lineup. When Embiid plays, the Sixers have won nine in a row on the road. This season, when he doesn't play, they're 2-6. and six. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm switching my Celtics pick, too. I'm switching my... my San Francisco, 49ers pick in the NFL. I'm switching my Celtics pick. The 76ers. We got the music going. I like it. We're just getting fired up. Maybe we do that with my hot takes. 76ers are going to win the NBA title this year. Remember I said it. Nick Nurse, he's won an NBA title. He knows how to win as a coach. He knows how to draw plays better than what Joe Missoula did at the end of that game Friday night. Whatever. Celtics won yesterday. They play Houston. They go on the road. Go ahead. Beat up on the subpar competition. What a bunch of bullies this Celtics team is. We want to beat up on the weak teams. And when it comes time to play the good guys, we just want to take step-back threes and go into halftime thinking, oh, we'll get them next time. Insanity. Boston Bruins, that's a team to jump on, people. I like I like me some Bruins. And the Celtics will still have a good run. I'm. I, I, maybe I'm just mad today. Maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll feel better about the Celtics <laughs> chances. But this This just puts me right back into it. They scored two points in the last four minutes and 30 seconds. Put me in the game. I'll find a way to hit a three at some point there. I don't care. I'll just jack up. How many shots can I take? Ten? In four minutes and 30 seconds? Even if they run the 24-second clock out every time? I mean, at least give them getting up five. I'll make one out of the five. But the Bruins, they put in nine goals Saturday night. That's the other thing. When we were at. The facility, watching all this sporting activity. Nine to four, the Bruins beat the Montreal Canadiens, which is great because the Canadiens used to be our rival, right? We, the Bruins and Montreal, forever hated each other. Now Montreal just stinks so bad, and the Bruins haven't won anything in the last few years. I mean, last three or four anyway. So it's like, eh, just a subpar rivalry. But it is cool that we get to go up to Montreal and just be taking care of business. Nine to four. Nine goals in hockey. The Bruins play tonight against Winnipeg. I will say that we lost to Winnipeg back in December. December 22nd. We lost 5-1 to one at Winnipeg. So, what's going to happen tonight? I'd imagine Jeremy Swayman will be back in net. He was in net, I saw, for that 5-1 to one loss against Winnipeg. You want to beat that team. Now, okay, we lost 5-1 to to you guys? Come on, let's go. Some Bruins going to take care of some business tonight, aren't they? Well, uh, just so people know, that 9 to 4 win on Saturday night over Montreal the Bruins, um Al- Almar came back, Linus Almark was back in net. And that game was, I think 4 to 4. It's definitely 5 to 4. So it was closer in the second period. Almark had given up four goals through f- through two periods. That's not good. But hey, 9 to 4, we respond. The team is together, man. So now we're back on Swayman Almark. I'd imagine Swayman goes tonight. Let's take down Winnipeg Bruins. Let's do this. What the heck? Everything is trending in the right direction for the Bruins. When Swayman was the focal point here in the last week, week and a half, what were their four games? That dude showed up and showed out. And we go into the playoffs here in a couple months. I'm feeling very confident about any game that Swayman starts. And I'm feeling confident about any game that Mark starts. And both of those guys will both be on the team. We are not trading a goalie. Everybody if you haven't listened to the Sports Machine with Slim we've already talked about this we're not trading the goalie we're going to trade some minor league assets or something future considerations to make a few trades or we're just going to pick up Patrice Bergeron come on back baby rumors he's skating there's a spot come on back and join the team You can join the team of the Sports Machine with Slim every day right here between 10 and 11 weekdays on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. You can always catch us live on the internet, nhtalkradio.com. I got Caitlin Clark News coming up for you next. Football and we got Caitlin Clark. Let's start with Caitlin Clark. For people that don't know, Iowa Hawkeyes basketball, college basketball, women's team is highly followed. Number two team in the country, Iowa Hawkeyes, and they played at Ohio State this weekend where Ohio State in the gym there was 18,660 fans for a women's college basketball game. That's what Caitlin Clark is doing. Star power, baby. Bringing in the star. She has 45 points in the game, but her team loses 100-92 uh, to 92 in overtime to number 18 Ohio State which is news because Iowa has been playing fantastic and Caitlin Clark, everybody's rooting for. She's putting up 31 points a game, 7.7 assists a game on the season. That's average. She put up 45 in this game. But what happened after the game was over, what the problem is is she's going to leave the court and some, I'm going to throw an insult out, some moron Ohio State fan is charging onto the court because all the fans are leaving the stands to go on the court and this this moron fan has a phone in their hand. And they're filming the rushing of the students onto the floor. Well, that she's not looking where where she's going. And she runs right into Caitlin Clark, nails her, takes her out. Caitlin Clark goes down. <laughs> like she was checked for injury. I guess she's okay. But I mean, this younger generation, I just talked about the olds here. <laughs> I don't want to be seen as the old, but it's like, you know, just like. Dude, put the phone down for a second, maybe. You know, so happy. Oh, yeah, you you almost hurt somebody. Like, you could have hurt the best player in the country, the best female player probably the world has ever seen. Is that, I mean, is that too far to go? It's very possible. This kid's scoring 31 a game. There's 18,600 people there to see her. Yeah, if she wasn't playing, I'm sure that a couple thousand fans. 18,000 people there, you might want to just put the phone away and not go crashing into the best female basketball player potentially of all time. Just a suggestion out there. Ohio State especially, you know, maybe those fans are why Ohio State never wins anything in college football anymore. Why every year you choke to Michigan. Because of the fans. The fans have a ton to do with whether or not their teams win, Buffalo fans. Throwing snowballs on the field. How about this, though? How about Buffalo players? We throw a little blame towards the Buffalo players. And uh, Stephon Diggs, we talked about that earlier. But I want to throw some blame on the coach. And this is what I mentioned earlier. You won't hear this anywhere else, this critique. With about 2 minutes and 37 seconds left, the Buffalo is driving down the field. They're losing 27-24. They're driving down the field and all of a sudden, the coach starts to play his mental mind game, right? McDermott, he's some sort of genius. He wants to, okay, we want the clock to be down so low so that Kansas City doesn't get the ball back. So they let the clock run all the way down to the two-minute warning. Meanwhile, his players on the team who are athletes, who are exhausted, who are just Goliaths in the ring battling for the last couple hours are like, Okay, let's relax. All right, we'll go to the two-minute warning. And that's the reason why Buffalo lost. You have to keep playing, McDermott. It's not bad enough that two years ago you can't win when you're up by like fifth, you know, with 15 seconds left and kicking off. And now you, 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 it's the same mistake, same mentality type of mistake. The guy doesn't know how to coach in high, high leverage situations. He needs to go. Belichick goes into Buffalo. Buffalo wins the Super Bowl next year. That would be the way I see it. But I'm not always in charge. Guess who is on the line right now? My cousin uh, my cousin Bob from Quincy? No. My brother Dave is on the line, I believe. And if he wants to, he can come right in and, uh, and take control. Am I wrong with that take on Buffalo?
1: No, I think you're right. But Angry Slim is displeasing to brother Dave this morning when you lump me in with your other lackeys who make their picks on Fridays <laughs> and do a terrible job with their UFC predictions. And then the big BFQ epistle... More like, Vic P-U. You pick smell dude. <laughs> if you're going to come on to the station and be making picks, you got to be a little bit better. You've got to be a little bit better than picking plus a minus 350 and minus 200 favorites that go down. Just, that's all I'm going to say about that.
0: Well, I am sorry that I grouped you in lumped you in with those lackeys because, as I remembered on Friday, you told everybody, Baltimore was by far your best pick of the weekend.
1: Yeah, but, and, but Listen, I, 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 just what I knew about that game was Houston wasn't very good on the road. That's it, right? Like there were some things you just bet into. And this week here of you know Kansas City Baltimore it's going to be a long week, a lot of stuff to look forward to. We're not going to break down that game until the end of the week. I will say the Celtics take against Denver. Hey, listen, that's a championship game, right? Two two teams that are battling. Uh, they come, the Celtics come right back tonight and play at Dallas. Did you know that?
0: No, I didn't. I'm still in a cu- cocoon, a coma, or whatever it is from all this action this weekend.
1: <laughs> Peter McNeely's really got you all up in that cocoon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I get worn out so, yep. from tra- tracking all this stuff all weekend. I need a breather. I know the Bruins are playing tonight. They're playing Winnipeg. I didn't know the Celtics come right back at Dallas. <laughs>
1: yeah, Celtics come right back at Dallas. That's a huge game for them, right? I mean, just in terms of back-to-back, on the road. And then I think they they play in three days, maybe at Miami. And then they come home for a seven or eight game stint. So, you know, tonight's just one of those games where you're going to find out just how tough the Celtics are. I think they're very tough. This is a game tonight where I really, really like them. I know everybody's a little sour on them. They didn't cover last night either given 10. So I think a lot of people are going to hesitate to play them on the second night of a back-to-back for the gamblers out there. Celtics are a really good play tonight.
0: Kyrie Irving plays for Dallas, and I'd imagine he's playing tonight. I, uh, I, I, do, do the Jays like to get up to battle him, or do they still want to like, kiss and hug him before the game and after the game?
1: Well, too? This, is, this is one of those teams that have given the Celtics trouble the last few years. So Luka's hit a couple of game-winners against them. He's just the, Dallas has really, really challenged them as they formed together, and I think they look at Luka at least Tatum as, hey, that's, my, that's one of my main rivals. He's One of the best young up-and-coming guys in the league. So I just think the Celtics will be focused tonight.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you what, as I look at Dallas's stats going back here for a few games, this is Kyrie. He, he had led the team in scoring with these totals going back to start with Portland on January 5th. Irving, 24 points, 35 points, 33, 44, 33, 42. Then last game, Doncic has 33 to lead the team. So, but Kyrie Irving is averaging about like 35 points a game over his last seven there, Dave. Uh, who's going to be guarding him tonight? Hopefully, Drew Holiday can just take him down. I don't want to lose to Kyrie Irving. I hate that guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, Drew, Drew Holiday, Derek White. I mean, our guards are really, really good defensive guards, so that's why I I just I like the matchup tonight with with the with the Mavericks. I just think the Celtics and they have something to prove. They lose to Denver. They want to go back on the road to a top five Western Conference team. The Celtics will give you their full attention tonight.
0: Once you burn the Celtics, you, you, you're dead to me. You know, like Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, I actually have liked some of the things he said over the last couple of years because he he's not afraid to speak his mind. People can think he's a little crazy, but I, I like that he's not afraid to speak his mind, to keep consistent with that, like with Strickland. But, you know, he burned the Celtics. He burned us real bad. And so, uh, hey, you know, hey, I just can't embrace the man fact, I want to beat him any chance we get. So what else, Dave, is out there? What would you think about, um, I mean, the NFL action or the MMA stuff? You got any comments on the MMA stuff, UFC?
1: No, I mean, listen, I'll go back to the football games this weekend because I do think that, that coaching plays such a huge role in these games. I mean, as you get to the playoffs, I think it's it's noticeable which teams play without fear. Dan Campbell, the Lions, I mean, they they played without fear. That was really the reason. I thought Tampa Bay, there were a couple times in that game where they played with a little bit of, of just, you know, trying to not lose the game instead of going out there and winning the game. And then even last night, you mentioned it with McDermott. Coaching is a way bigger factor in terms of winning playoff games. Motivation, attitude, you know, I mean, it's like you're down by three. You don't need to play for a field goal. You need to play to win the game. And if you score, this isn't two years ago when they were down a field goal with 13 seconds left and they kicked a field goal to time the game. If you score a touchdown, you're up four. If you can't stop them from going to get a touchdown, like you weren't the better team. You didn't deserve to win. You should never be playing or, well we've got a field goal. You know, that's that's one of those like Dan Campbell and the Lions would have never played for the field goal. It would have been both of both team had get a touchdown. And that's, that that is part of the reason why you see some of these teams winning and that's why you see Patrick Mahomes winning and then you see these other teams losing.
0: And then, and you want to blame the field goal kicker. Like, everybody wants to blame the field goal kicker when really, if you watch, it was like the wind was a magnet almost pulling that sucker to the right because it started out going to the left a little bit. And then, man, it just hooked. It was like, no, no, fate was saying, no, 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 Buffalo, you guys are going to lose. Why? Again, like you said, because the coach put that mentality into the entire team, the fans, the whole organization, everybody who bet on Buffalo. It's like, oh, we're playing for overtime. At the very least, we got the field goal. You said it, Dave.
1: No fear. Just play with no fear. I'll tell you, Green Bay played with no fear, and they should have beat San Fran. <laughs> the Lions were, the, were definitely the less fearful team. Yesterday it was Kansas City. It just You watch these games, you cannot play with any trepidation at all. It has to be, hey, listen, we're here to win. This is, I mean, one and done. It's a one and done game, and, and you see this in all sports. Some guys just step up when the money's on the line, and some others don't. Josh Allen, I'll just tell you right now, he's not one of those guys.
0: Well, Dave, you have stepped up and produced in the, uh, amongst the sea of lackeys that I call my uh, sports talk callers the best sports talk callers in the country. You at least have the picks rather than just the words pistol and McBFQ. I expect much better from you guys moving forward, and I demand it, and we will give it to you, you the listeners. Here on the Sports Machine with Slim, every weekday 10 to 11 on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow, primary day.